continuing this series called God With Us. God With Us, I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to turn to John chapter one because John chapter one is going to start the story in a completely different spot than the, the account that you just saw on the video. You get to read about in Matthew and you get to read about in Luke, but John starts the story, the Christmas story, in a very, very different way, and we're gonna look at that. Now, before we get to that, and Lindsay kind of jumped ahead, but I'm, I just actually wanna do this. If you were gonna say, like, there's gotta be one song over the Christmas season that you gotta hear, you gotta be one song. If there's one song you gotta hear, what's the song? Give it out. Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night. That's the only one? <laughs> it was like, Oh, Holy Night. But just somebody mark that down. We gotta do that on the 24th. Okay. What else? Wait, wait, say that again. Mary, did you know? That's a good one. White Christmas. That's a good one. Santa Claus is coming to town. I thought you were gonna say Santa Baby. Don't say Santa Baby. All right, even if that's true for you, just we're gonna save yourself the embarrassment. Don't say Santa baby, okay? But Santa Claus is coming to town, what else? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, what was that? Hark, hell, hark, how? Oh, yeah, the, no, that's, is that what it's called? Carol the Bells, okay, so, no. I legit thought you said hark, hell, the bells. I, I, I don't know what this song is. I don't know what, I don't, so I'm sorry, that's, but that is a very good one. That's good. I, don't, I have no idea what they're saying. That's why, that's why I need to learn the lyrics. Then I would know what you're talking about. Anyone more? Joy to the world. That's a great one. Good. Good, these are all good. I, these are all great songs. We'll sing lots of them, certainly on, uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, one of mine is I'll Be Home for Christmas. Love that one. I love I'll Be Home for Christmas because I have, I have great memories of Christmas time at home. It means a lot to me. And in fact, this is that unique season where we get to think a lot about home, whether it's going home or your kids coming home or wherever you're at. It's a lot of opportunity for community. And even in a weird pandemic world, there's this longing and desire for home. Home is actually a really powerful topic. It's, it's, it's not just a topic, it's a powerful thing. It, it, it elicits emotions inside of us, right? Because home is that place that is familiar. It's a place of safety. It's a place of comfort. It's a, a respite from the harshness of the world. And so yeah, you, you have to ask that question, what is it that makes home home to you? What is it that actually makes home home to you? Because there's lots of things that are associated with the idea of home. When you think of home, you might think of the way it's decorated, right? You might think of the smells that are there. You might think of uh, the people that you invite into your home to have fun and to have fellowship. You might Think about the security that the home provides, right? At the end of the night, you lock your doors because there's just a privileged few who get to be in your home and under your care. You think about the people that you're with. You think about the people that are surrounding you, that they're special and that's meaningful to you. And it's, and it's hard even, home can be even hard when you lose someone special to you. That's because home is, creates this 
reality in our lives that we long for. And it's really what makes Christmas so special. Because deep in this account of Jesus, the Son of God coming to be with us is the fundamental idea of home. And God beginning to open up what home really is. And so this story starts before God comes here to be with us to understand that Jesus is actually leaving his home. Jesus is leaving his home. I want you to look there because the book of John is gonna tell us the Christmas story in a very different way. And it starts the story, not here on earth, but it starts the story in the council of God when he's together with Jesus, with the Father and the Spirit. And so here's what it says. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Here is the beginning of the Christmas story. That Jesus is there, present in the beginning, speaking us into existence. And then it says, he came down and created life. See, Jesus left his home. He was there in the beginning, but Jesus left his home and he came to establish a brand new home. Jesus left his home to establish a new home. He was there in that familiar place. He was totally satisfied. I want you to think about what it meant for the Father and the Son and the Spirit to be eternally existent Uh, from eternity past, no beginning, fully delighted in each other, right? They weren't deficient. Jesus was in no way deficient, had no deficiency in him. The Father had nothing in him. God was not lonely. The Holy Spirit was not bored. They were fully uh, wrapped in their goodness and glory, and they said, we want to share this goodness, share who we are. Out of the radical love that was in them, they wanted to share it with men, mankind. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. But he didn't stay there. He comes down, and look at what he does as Philippians gives us the Christmas story account. Chapter two, verse five, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what did he do? He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That Jesus fully alive, left his home and came to establish a new home. And so it begs the question, why? 
Why? Why did Jesus leave and empty himself and become a servant? Scott, you have to ask this fundamental question because it tells us everything we need to know about God. And here's the way Colossians puts it in, a, in the most succinct terms we could possibly boil this down. Why does Jesus leave to come, he, leave his home to make a new home? Here's the answer. Colossians chapter one. There's a mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed to the saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery that was hidden for ages. And he sums it up with one phrase. In fact, if you don't leave, you, you leave this place or you turn off whatever device you're using to watch this and hear this. This is the reason Jesus left. Christ in you and in me, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. There's this unveiling mystery. And what he's saying is Jesus' new home isn't earth. Yeah, he came to earth. He lived for 33 years on this earth. But hear this. Jesus' purpose was not to establish his new home on earth. His purpose was to establish his home in you. That's the point. This is what Christmas is. His purpose was to establish his home in you. That is the driving force of the Holy Spirit even right now. Deeper levels of his culture and his home in you and in me. This is what this whole thing is about. Christ came to be in you. The hope of glory, the hope of power to overcome, the hope of life, the hope of peace, the hope of joy, the hope of eternity. It all is anchored in Christ, in you and in me, the hope of glory. That's where it's anchored. It's not just a hope for someday out there. And, and listen, that day is rich. I'm looking forward to being in the home with Jesus. What Jesus says is, I'm, my father has got a house. It's got a bajillion rooms and you're invited. And he's got his arms wide open. There's gonna be coming a day where we're face to face with him and we're hanging in the crib, so to speak. Is that even, is that even a slang anymore? Do people even say that? I'm sorry, I'm apologizing to everybody. <laughs> not going to say that, but he's saying, come and hang out with me. Listen, that's where I'm going to do. That's where I'm going to prepare. That's what actually Jesus is doing. But the point is this. It's not just for a day to come. It's right now. This is the point of the season. Christ, Jesus in us, hope of glory. Christ in you is for right now, for right now to fill you right now with hope, to fill you right now that for every day that we walk on this earth, 
For every hour we're having to deal with the weirdness of the news or the weirdness of the, this moment or the weirdness of this year and the uncertainty of what lies ahead in 2021, guess what we get? Christ in us, hope of glory. Amen. Guarantee and the promise that we're able to walk with a measure of confidence the world cannot have. There is no vaccine that can produce what Christ in us, the hope of glory, produces. There is no promise of riches that can produce the hope of glory with Christ in us. This is what is, we are meant to savor and to treasure and to eat. You eat a Christmas cookie and then you eat the truth, right? Christ in us, hope of glory. Nothing can be stolen, nothing can be taken, not one iota. Whatever it is in this life, the, the treasure that we all have is God came down to make a new home. And so, church, let's open wide the door and say, come in, have more of your way. If God is eager to make his home in us by sending his son, then let's open the door, right? Now, there is a problem. And what we can often think is that, listen, preacher, that preach is really good. But I don't always feel like Christ is in me, the hope of glory. That's not, my, that's not often my day-to-day -day experience. I'm walking through the same wrestles and struggles, my own internal stuff, all the weirdness externally, and I'm fighting through this thing, and I don't always feel like glory is abounding and hope is abounding. And often we feel broken down and we're wondering, why really would God ever make his home inside of me with all of my mess-ups and all my shortcomings? Why, why? Now, there's two kinds of people there are two kinds of people. I love to just boil down all of humanity into just like, you know, a couple things. This is who you are. You're one of these people. And I'm just going to make you vote. And if you guys are online, you guys vote down in the comments. All right. Uh, if you, there's two kinds of people when you do real estate. There are those that are looking for a house that like it's ready to go. Like when, you, when you're looking for, to get into a new home, you're going, I'm looking for the house that, that like looks like me and feels like me and that I'm ready to go. And I would rather not do a whole lot of stuff to it because, come on, yeah, you're already voting. All right, Darren's like, you're jumping the gun here, bro. Okay, just hang with me. All right. And then there are some of you that you're, you don't want the perfect, you want the fixer-upper because you love to change it all. You say, you're like, mm, that's got good bones. All right, or something like that, right? <laughs> you're thinking that, but what you're really... But what you really want is you want to change everything, right? Okay, now, how many of you are going like, I'm looking for the thing that's really already tailor-made for me, right? A couple of people, okay, good. Like, you're just going, let's make it good to go. It looks good, it looks great. Let's move in, put our furniture in the place, move on. How many of you are looking for the fixer-upper? Yeah? It's kind of half and half. I love that. All right, we should do a battle or I don't know what that would look like, but it would be fun. Let's fight each other. Um, When you're buying a home, so for those of you who are fixer-uppers, you're actually looking for the thing that's kind of a mess. 
And the point is, is you wanna bring your culture into it. And the truth is this, you guys that are looking for the home that's already ready-made, what you're looking for is the home that's, that has your culture in it already. So whether you're looking to fix it up or you're looking for the thing that's ready-made, what you're trying to find is the place where your culture can come and thrive. And what I love about Christmas is God's looking at the messes and going, it doesn't matter how bad this thing is, I'm ready to come in and bring my culture and come and shape it and shift it and transform it. That's the significance of the Christmas story, right? When God is born next to farm animals, the point of the barn and the manger is to say, I'm ready to set up residence in the mess and come and bring my culture. What, he, what God is saying with the manger is, I'm not offended by whatever mess you got. I'm ready to come into it and bring my life, bring hope. So whatever, just whatever manure you got going on in your life right now, that was not offensive to Jesus. He was ready to come into the middle of it, to establish himself, to take up residence in that place and say, I'm coming to wash over you. Doesn't matter what's going on. I'm ready to bring life. I'm ready to bring hope. I'm ready to bring peace. I'm bringing these things to you if you'll open the door wide. The manger is the precursor to Jesus making his home inside of us. That's what that purpose is. That's what that, that design is about. That's what he's trying to say to every one of us. You are the home God is looking for. You are. You guys online, you're the ones. God's ready to make his home more and more. And to whatever degree that you think, man, I think God's got residence. Listen, he's building more. I want you to hear this. There's more renovation there's more updating. There's more movement. There's more transformation. There are deeper levels that he wants to go. There's deeper truths he wants to get to. There are deeper wounds that he wants to go down and heal and bring life and wholeness. This is what a good, good father does. I'm not finished. I'm moving in, right? Jesus is knocking on the door and saying, I'm moving in. I'm ready to take residence. We've all, and listen, we've all been that mess on the inside. Every one of us, myself certainly included, could point to all the places and all the ways I've fallen short, ways that I've not measured up. And Jesus is saying, that's why I've come. That's why I've come. I'm not coming looking for the people that will clean themselves up so that I can have access. What he's saying is, let me have access. I'll do all the work. I'll clean. I'll change. I'll transform. That's what I'm looking to do. And that you will not be the same old, same old any longer. That when God comes and makes his home in us, he changes. I just want to say, part of our journey Part of this movement that God wants to do is to see our lives changing. 
the Lord wants to see us shifting. Sometimes we don't want, it, sometimes it's not happening fast enough, right? You're ready to raise your hand and go, I got all the stuff that needs to be changed. The Lord's ready to do it. Sometimes we don't, we want it to be faster, but the Lord's about making his home in us. And so here's the question. We'll finish up with this. How does God truly make his home on a deeper level? in each one of us. What does that look like? How do, how do we get there? What are the steps that need to happen to take place in order for God to take a deeper residence and take up new spaces and do more hope of his glory in us? All right, so I'm just gonna give you, I'm gonna give you two big steps and we're gonna just pray and ask for God to do more of that this morning, okay? Number one, we must be real about our mess. It's gotta happen. We have to be real about our mess. This is the key. First John chapter one, eight and nine. If you, if you wanna just, if you want a good kick in the pants, read first John, all right? It's just gonna spur you on. And I love, within the first 10 verses, here's what he's saying. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is so good. Here's what he's saying we don't have to do the charade to pretend like we have it all together. What he's saying is I want your honesty here. That honesty and vulnerability are critical to finding the true hope of glory. If you're in a spot and you're going, I want more of Jesus taking up his residence in his home. How does that happen? It starts with honesty and vulnerability. Now, uh, you, you've experienced this and you know this in marriage. I certainly do. Uh, everybody has conversations about this stuff that's, if you're married or you've got a significant other, you have conversations about all the things that are going on, whether it's the stuff you got to do or the jobs or the kids or all the things. That happens all the time. You're having those conversations all the time. But every once in a while, you're not having a conversation about all the stuff. You're having a conversation about you and the marriage. And what you know is this. Those, and we, we had those big conversations where you try to dial in a little bit. And you have those. And, and my wife and I even got to have one even last night. Right? All right? So just for full disclosure, okay? You have these moments where you have these big conversations and guess what? Marriage or any kind of true relationship will not work without honesty and vulnerability. And I cannot lead my home without honesty and vulnerability. And my wife cannot thrive without honesty and vulnerability. We get these shadow experiences on this earth to show us if you want true growth, 
where you're in this season, this pandemic world, and you are anchored in a way that no one else is, the real way is honesty and vulnerability with the Son of God. Being able to go there with him. Being able to be real about what's actually going on. The things that we try to pretend are not there, but they're actually there. The Lord will speak into all of these things. And if you're going, and I don't even know what it is, let me tell you, just keep going there with the Lord. I promise he will bring those things. Not to say that God's always minding for all that. In fact, I think he wants to bring so much life and encouragement. But the Lord's, I think from the scripture we're saying here, be real and honest with me because I'll come in and meet you in that place. It's so, critical, it's so important and critical for us to be able to call a spade a spade, to just be real about what's going on. Here's where, Lord, I am falling short. And the sooner that honesty happens, the sooner healing can begin to take place. And this is true. And we've all experienced this in many ways. And all of the relationships, the meaningful relationships of our lives have to come. We, we have to come to this place of vulnerability. That's where, that's the doorway for transformation. From the dirty manger to the temple of the king. That's the, tra- that's the journey. And this is what he does. And it comes with that honesty before the Lord. And then secondly, and we'll finish with this and I'll just ask our team to come up. The last thing is this, we have to open the door to his radical love, have to, it's critical. You gotta be willing to open up the door. First John, if you keep going through the book, first John chapter four, verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is, the, this is the, the, the key. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, this is the thing that can become a little bit rote. It can become normalized to say God loves you. It's on bumper stickers and coffee mugs. And what the Father, I think, here is saying through the scripture is, you need to understand what love is. I sent my son out of his home to make his home in you. This is what love is. To come out, to leave what is comfortable for Jesus to walk through what he walked through, to say, there's a radical love that I have for you that you must experience. And if it sounds normalized, then you know what your new prayer is this week. Jesus, show me your radical love for me. Help me open the door to more of your love for me. Change me and transform me by telling me your love. That, that probably, it very well might need to be your devotional this week. You need to just, Lord, tell me. Speak to me. Tell me how much you love me. Show me your love for me. If you want to know what love is, and what he's saying here is your capacity to love Jesus and walk with him and follow him and worship him and obey him, it's capped off by how much you believe he loves you. Because he is love. You understand that. I want to say that again. I want you to just capture this. And I wish I could say I came up with this. This is, this is one of those great teachings from Mike Bickle. 
I love this, but hear this. Your, our ability to love Jesus is capped or limited by how much you believe he loves you, especially in your weakness. Because he is love. There's no superseding God's love. If you're going, I wanna love God more, I wanna love God more. The only way you're gonna love God more is by opening wide the door and getting loved and receiving that love and letting it wash over you fresh, new, and again. And under the weight of that love is the open door. This is what love is. Not that we love God first, but that he first loved us and he sent his son as the, I guarantee you'll never have to walk in this life wondering if you are valued and treasured. I've shown you. I'm, I, want my, I want my son in you. Hope of glory. Because when we're loved, then we can begin to love. And I'll finish with this, John 14. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and her and we will make our home with him. This is what love does. I'm coming to make my home with you. You guys stand with me. I'm just gonna take a moment to shut everything out. We have just a few minutes here. So don't check out. Don't mentally or emotionally leave. Just stay here for a minute. You guys that are with us online, I want you to hang. And there are two things and we're gonna take this moment and then we're just gonna worship. And the first is this, would you just be real and honest with the Lord? And say, Lord, here are the places I tend to keep you at an arm's distance and I don't want to do that anymore. Honesty and vulnerability right here in this moment. Say, God, I need you to shift and change and shape me. I want to open my life. I want more, you to have more access access to new areas of my heart that have not been given access to. New levels of intimacy, new levels of desire. These are the places where I turn from you. I don't want to turn away from you anymore. And then we'll just finish with this. In that honesty and vulnerability, saying just being honest with the Lord. I need you to shape and change me. But Lord, you shape and change me because I know that I'm loved. And would you just 
Open yourself up to receive the fresh love of God. In fact, you might just ask the question, Father, would you just tell me of your love for me? Just speak it over me right now. Just say, I need a fresh word from you. Ask him for that in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we're inviting you here for all those guys that are with us online. Would you come right now and just begin to speak and whisper of your radical love? Open your heart up, open the door wide and say, Lord, show me your love for me. Reveal it to me. You're a good father. You give good gifts to your children. Just ask him right now. You are loved. You are valued. You've been given the worth of heaven. He is for you and not against you. He's come to conquer death, hell, and the grave so that nothing can have a hold on you. That no temptation has seized you. There is no principality that can come against you to rob you of the radical love of God that is anchored in Christ, our hope of glory. God, we give our hearts to you in a fresh way. We're opening ourselves up in honesty and vulnerability. We're opening ourselves up to receive your fresh love for us, to anchor us in this hour, to anchor us in this moment, to remind us of your faithfulness and your goodness, to walk with you daily, to not reject the cry of your heart, to have more of our lives, more access, more home, more of your goodness thriving, coursing through us, we ask. Let's worship the Lord and just begin to ask him to cover us as a good father, to remind us of his goodness. Would you, in, in fact, as you sing this, would you just make this your prayer for the week, that these truths would be anchored in our hearts. Let's worship.